0: Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. We are thrilled that more and more of you are listening to the podcast and more folks are following us on Instagram. And my name is Mona. And just to give you a little background, I was with my ex for 32 years. We were married for 30 years and we've been divorced almost three years, about two and a half years. And Olga,
1: Yes, I'm Olga, and I had well. I'm changing it now. Initially, <laughs> it was I had a, a an ex-boyfriend that I thought was on the spectrum, but now I'm thinking about my ex-husband and other people I've dated. <laughs> so I'm here to share those with people.
0: Yeah, and and we both realize we have a type, and it's men on the spectrum, autistic men. And we love them and they help us grow and they challenge us. So it's, it's all good. So today we're going to talk a little bit about meltdowns and shutdowns and how those both uh, occurred in our relationships with um, our multiple exes. So Olga, <laughs> Olga's going to start and we'll share a little bit about what we've learned.
1: Okay, so I can think of many episodes where I used to say the most hurtful thing that someone can do to me is if we're fighting or we are going through something to feel like they shut down and they're not talking to me. Mm-hmm. And it can, it could vary between a day or some hours to a week or two of not talking and disappearing uh, or disappearing for a day or two and then appearing and again and saying oh um I just needed to think about it and needed some time I I can't talk to you right now or and and I usually would react taking it personal mm-hmm. like you know that they hate me I mean you don't love me if you really can't sit down with me and process all of this And you're just shutting down and and going away. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, That to my brain says, I don't want you. And interpreting that that way is very hurtful. And only later I learned that it wasn't about me. It was about him processing whatever was, was happening and he needed, he really needed that, um, that time. And I can say all of them did the same thing to me. Even if I said it many times, don't, don't stop (laughs) speaking to me. That's just mean and rude. And it's not in my head. It wasn't part of how I envisioned relationships. How are we going to process something and go through something if if you're going to stop talking to me? Right. That's just, you know, no, acceptable. And then now I understand that if they didn't do that, they really were not going to be able to process it. And because they process it on their own, when they come back, there's not a lot to talk about, which is also like uh, (laughs) very difficult, very hurtful, because it's like you've been gone for a week or two or two days. And now you're coming back and you say, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. well wait what happened i mean what was the process <laughs> right. the thought process the feeling process all right. know that my brain needs some more information <laughs> right. than that uh it, it, and so it makes you if you're not if your self-esteem is not in the right place or something makes you emotionally weak oh that's gonna get you know, worse is gonna right. make you feel. It's gonna make you, or it made me doubt myself a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh my God, he doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't want to be with me anymore." Or you know, you name it. It just crosses your mind because you know this is just too much to yeah. take. Um, so that with the shutting down, because the meltdowns are were fewer. And depending on the person, the personality, and how they have been through been doing all of this through life, the meltdowns sometimes you don't get to see them because they do <laughs> yeah, it in private, right. do them in private. or um, with my ex-boyfriend, I had episodes where I would look at him and he'll start crying, crying, crying. And I was like, what what's going on? what's wrong?" Mm. And then it was the anxiety like, oh, I, I, you know, I feel like and he'll tell me what he was feeling that was not positive and that could and that he couldn't stop thinking about it and interpreting as I didn't care about him Mm -hmm. and he can't handle it anymore. But he didn't tell me. Right when things were happening, it's only when he got obsessively thinking about it and creating some anxiety. And at the end of that, I, it'll be a meltdown that I had to, you know, I, those were the easy ones for me to handle because I can't, I can't handle emotions. Right. Yes. So <laughs> right. if they were, if he was very approachable, like I could be right there with him and hug him and hold his hand or talk to his heart mm-hmm. and he'll, he'll hear listen what I was saying and connect with what I was saying. And then it was easier for me to, okay, let's work through it. What is it that you're feeling? What did I do? What can I do to make it better? How can I help you? And he was at that point when he felt like I could come to the same level of connection and language, we could start talking in those very specific moments to me were easier to go through than the shutdown. Um, so that was my, I didn't have a lot of experiences with the meltdowns. There were few, um, but I felt like those moments were bringing us closer, which is strange. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know. It's just very interesting, but yes, because at that moment they were emotionally available. Um, only because they were, um, susceptible, vulnerable, right. And you could connect at that level. And then after that. It'll kind of go away. Right. Uh, for some period of time. Until they felt vulnerable again. Or And so. It's like. But I know you're capable. <laughs> it's very confusing yes, also. Because like, I know you're capable of that connection. That vulnerability. But it has to get to an extreme point. Not before that. Right. And then I feel like is really not connecting with me in the not in the daily basis, and it's not how I feel every day. Which is that is when women or partners are gonna feel neglected and like I it does is confused right. because of how things work.
0: So that has been my experience with those. Yeah, and that's the emotional reciprocity. What you're saying just resonates so much with me. I found an article and I forget who wrote it um, not that long ago. And I sent it to my ex about how people who are on the spectrum, autistic uh, people respond better when um, you may be emotional with them because when they are in a meltdown, they are so emotional that they understand that. It was a very interesting article and I'll see if I can find it and maybe put it in um, in the bio for this episode. But what my experience was was um, a little bit different than yours because, again, I was married for 30 years. We were together since we were 21. And there were a lot of meltdowns, a lot of meltdowns. And I think I had a lot of anger outbursts because my emotional needs weren't being met. But the meltdowns were almost always about something that triggered anxiety for my ex. So I can remember a few um, where somebody would say something at work that would. Impact his integrity or um, question his integrity. And he would come home. I knew there was something that was going on because he was even more, maybe, cold or stoic or clammed up. He wasn't on total shutdown, but, you know, one word answers. And then sometimes he would pace, Um, sometimes he would lock himself in his room. And be on the computer for hours, and I wouldn't see him. Um, But when he would shut down, he didn't leave the house because we were living together. He never left the house. He never stormed out of the house. He never had to go somewhere else. It was going into his office or his room and closing the door and being by himself. And I remember sometimes the meltdowns, that was shut down. The meltdowns were so disturbing to me as a highly sensitive person because I felt his, or I thought I felt his pain. I could see it in his eyes. I could see it in his body. I could hear it in the tone of his voice. I mean, I picked up everything after you're with somebody for 32 years, they almost become a part of you. And I remember that when he got that way, oftentimes the only thing that would get him down a few levels was sex. And so oftentimes I would just lead him into the bedroom and we would have sex and that helped him calm down. But as soon as he got caught up in his thoughts again, he would perseverate and it would go around and around and around. And Uh, Another thing that helped him, he really liked, I call it petting. (laughs) He loved a light touch, like I'd pet his arms and his legs and it would relax him. So it was almost meditative for him. And also in the early years, I actually did meditation for him and that would relax him. But I don't know why we stopped doing that. And I don't know if he's doing that on his own. So I think that he almost lost the coping skills during the meltdowns that I had to, in a way, rescue him. And when we were on the verge of divorcing, we are at the courthouse, and he looked at me and he said to me, and I think I've mentioned this in another podcast, you had two children, but we didn't have two children. We only have one child. He said to me, I was your second child. And he's right. Because when he had those meltdowns, I mothered him, I nurtured him, mm-hmm. I helped calm him. And I knew how to do it because it had happened so many times. But he was also able to soothe me. I, I didn't need the calming as much as the soothing. And he was a great hugger when I was um, emotional about something he would do. He was great at the back massages and the foot massages. And I think it was part of his script. He knew that would calm me. He knew it would make me comfortable. And we learned what the other person needed during the meltdowns. The other, um, man that I dated after I was divorced, he would shut down. Um, he definitely has Aspie traits, uh, you know, never would ever consider going to see um, a counselor or therapist to be assessed or anything like that. But he is absolutely my father. And I've said on past um, episodes that my father was definitely on the spectrum. And he would shut down. And I remember we had gone on a trip. And he was getting really, really anxious, um, because we were going to have to be on a plane for like six hours. We were in California, we were flying to Florida. And I think we might have had to change planes. And the anxiety was building and building and building. And he started being um, sarcastic and rude to me in the car when we were on the way to the airport. And I just said, please stop. And I raised my voice. And he shut down. (laughs) for the entire trip back to Florida and I had never experienced that before. So I had experienced 32 years of meltdowns and the shutdowns just looked like, you know, I'm going to go into my, my, uh, we used to call it bat cave or, or, you know, sit in front of my computer. I had never had somebody shut down like you said, and just literally stop talking to me for hours and hours and hours. Uh, and it didn't feel good. And no, it doesn't. Yeah. And I knew about confusing. It's
1: very confusing. It is
0: very confusing. And I knew about Asperger's at the time, but I never, until our relationship ended, I didn't think that maybe he might um, be on the spectrum and I don't know. And, and I've mentioned it to him. He probably thinks I'm crazy. And maybe I am. Oh, because we are crazy. Now we are the two women that walk around diagnosing people
1: in on the spectrum. We just see a lot of aspects We tricks. just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just have now a different sensitivity for the traits, and right. we're like, oh, okay, a different lens, is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is you? I think it's useful for any relationship. Uh,
0: right. That sorry, you know, for yeah. different. Yeah. So I think, um, our stories are a little different and we saw a lot of different things. Is there anything else that you want to share related to meltdowns or shutdowns before we talk about lessons learned?
1: No, I think that that's pretty much, that was my, my experience. It's just very consistent, Mm -hmm. Uh, um, with every person it's happened. It Mm -hmm. has happened. So I haven't had one relationship with with the person I think is on the spectrum that didn't have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely I think the key there, and this might be moving on to the next section, which is our lessons learned. That's good. Um, That it is, I think it, it is easier to identify this from the beginning, mm-hmm. how they have the meltdowns and or they shut down, because you can put in place things to understand each other i'm going into this and so wait for me and don't take it personal Mm -hmm. uh the neurotypical person would need a heads up you know this is happening i need time Mm -hmm. and then you'll be aware of and more respectful of that time or that need right uh or if they don't tell you but they go into it to also not you know take it personal and wait until they're ready to come out and and talk about it, and like you were saying before, making the communication so effective that you don't need a lot of, you know, paragraphs, or, right. you know, a long <laughs> analysis, at a time. but it might be short phrases where, okay, so this is what happened, this is how I felt, and this is the outcome, and what are we doing from now on? What hurts you? What made you go into the, the meltdown or the shutdown? Uh, or my question is always, and this has been something just natural because how I am, I always ask them when you are in the middle of the meltdown, not with these words, right. but like when you're in the middle of that crisis, when, you're, or feeling like when that. you're feeling like this, is it okay for me to approach you and mm-hmm. try to help you emotionally, like, you mm-hmm. know, hold hands or take care of you or, you know, whatever it is. And most of them are okay with that, which I find, again, it's like something that's easier to deal with because of the vulnerability and how I can connect with right. that. So looking for those moments when the meltdowns and how to handle them, how to go through them respectfully in how they want to be, um, you know, touched or helped mm-hmm. and through it it's important and it'll save a lot of energy a lot of emotions a lot of frustration and feel in taking things personal and a lot of hurt so that that's my biggest lesson
0: I would agree with everything that you said uh with the man that I was dating after my divorce Whenever he had these meltdowns, and I remember several meltdowns where um, he had left his, our clothes in the dryer and um, the laundry room closed at a certain hour and we were watching a movie and he didn't realize that the laundry room had closed at a certain hour because he'd just moved into the condo that he was living in and he went to go get the clothes. And the door was locked and he couldn't get in. he came back from the laundry room so wired. He just, he was so, he was having a meltdown. And it was about a half hour before he could bring himself down. And we were new in the relationship. I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of kept my distance and sat on the other couch. And I'm like, it's not a big deal. We'll get it in the morning. It's okay. If it's wrinkled, we'll just put it back in the dryer. It's okay. But no logic even would bring him down. I didn't know how to handle that. And then I remember another time he had um, spilled a glass of red wine on my carpet. And I'm like, no problem. I have resolve. I'll clean it up. He got so wound up. He went into a major meltdown because he wasn't perfect. Those were two examples where he wasn't perfect and he just lost control. I didn't know what to do with that because with my ex-husband, I would have had sex or we would have hugged or something different. Because you already
1: had a code for right, everything. Right, right. So that was easier to handle. That's why I'm saying this is one of the very difficult if you're not creating that code that, okay, this is what happens. This is the, the, the flow chart we are going to go through <laughs> right. when when I'm going. And, and it's so um, easy to anticipate that those things are gonna happen, not when they're gonna happen, but that they're going to happen. Right. And and if you have the two or three or four things that help them, right, it has to be easier to handle them that when you're getting to know the person and just getting to right. identify those moments. But you definitely it, we need to do that early in right. the relationship.
0: Right. And now and now I, I think I'll look at things through a different lens. And what I realized um was I said to him, "Do you need a hug?" And he goes, "No, don't come near me." <laughs> and that was like, again, I wasn't thinking about Asperger's. I wasn't thinking about autism. I wasn't looking at things through that lens. And maybe he just doesn't like to be hugged, although that's not. Yeah, true. that's
1: easier too because we're <laughs> more used to. Okay, there's some. There are some people who like to be hugged right. or touched, and some people are a little more like, you know, if I'm upset, don't touch come. me near me or touch me so we that was easier to understand than than you know the whole analysis of all oh, those traits are part of this and that and that's a bigger picture and it's more difficult to do but at least we have some survival things that still <laughs> right, come, survival, come naturally even when kit. we don't understand what's happening
0: right especially if if we now know we're attracted to folks uh, to men on the spectrum yes. yeah and so so I had a conversation with him and I think this is my lesson learned. Um it very it's very similar to your lessons learned. I said, when you're that upset, what do you need from me? What do you need me to do? And he couldn't tell me, but he said, definitely don't hug me. <laughs> <laughs> well that's and, important. It's important. And I'm like, I need okay, to know I'll that. stay away. <laughs> and I said, well, um what if I want to go out and, you know, go get coffee or go to the store? He goes, don't leave me. Don't walk out. And I said, why? And he said, because that's something that used to happen in my, with my parents and that's not okay. It, and it probably made him feel abandoned. Mm -hmm. So you learn these things in any relationship, whether it's a neurotypical and a neurotypical, um, somebody who's autistic with somebody who's autistic, or a ner- neurodiverse couple. But the thing is, I think in a neurodiverse relationship, and this is a big lesson that I learned after 32 years and dating lots of men, I guess, on the spectrum or with Aspie traits, is that things aren't always consistent. So um, there may have been times when my ex-husband needed to come down and sex did it, or what he needed was time alone. And so if I had known those were both coping mechanisms for him to work through the meltdown or the anxiety that created the meltdown or the possible shutdown, it would have been easier for me not to take it personally, and not to get angry, and not to get resentful. That's the key. And yeah. when those things keep happening over and over, it builds up, and it creates animosity, and it creates a um, a divide that between you and your partner.
1: I think it breaks the trust. Yeah, the trust on the on how your partner loves you. Yeah, it's like as every time it's like beating up that trust then at some point it's going to break completely and then you're like okay you know you don't love me or the kind of love you have is not the one I'm looking for or you know any kind of feeling that will just stop you from moving forward with the relationship and connecting exactly
0: um and and I think we have similar lessons learned and I I think it's we're learning and And I think our audience hopefully is getting this, that we're learning as we talk to each other. Um, I am the reader between us. And then I share things both with my ex and with Olga. I love learning, not just about everything about autism spectrum disorder, but just I have three degrees. I love learning. And Olga does too, I know. But I'm the one doing most of uh, or a lot of the reading. But I love sharing the lessons that we learned and our experiences so other people don't feel like they're the only ones that are experiencing these challenges. And maybe, maybe there are folks that are being helped to see that they're in a neurodiverse relationship because something seemed different or has seemed different throughout their relationship and they couldn't put their finger on it. But now that they hear our stories, they're like, oh my gosh. Oh, that's and I it. I get those comments. Um, we get those through the Instagram or we get emails. So thank you all so much for being with us this week. If you would like to reach out to us, you can email us at neurodiverse love for the number four, the letter U at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, And that is uh, neurodiverse underscore love. We look forward to chatting with you again next week and hope you all are having a great day and you have a great week. I'm Mona. And I'm Olga. Thank you all. Bye bye.